a, one of the things that any company can do right now that sells to another business is simplify the language on your site to hone in on what is the actual tangible result that you're going to give that other company if they engage with you. You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name. Enjoy. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we got an amazing interview here for you today. If you're watching on YouTube, you can already see our guest and you can see behind him that he has got an array of logos, and those are all of the businesses that he has created. Uh, Today, I'm talking with uh, Dave Valentine. He's the CEO and founder of Avidel, along with a whole bunch of other great businesses. Uh, Avidel is an outsourced SDR sales development rep agency and serving clients all over the world. He's helping people grow their businesses. And what I love about what Dave's going to talk with us about today is he's taking everything that they do at Avidel for their clients, and he's used that to grow all of his other businesses. Um, So you're going to really hear some stuff that is proven to work for B2B service businesses. So Dave, I'm super excited to have you here. Been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks since we got it booked. So I'm glad we finally made it happen. Welcome. Likewise, Steve. Likewise, Steve, man. It's great to be here. Super excited to chat. Yeah. So you've got, uh, by the count behind you, five companies, but you told me um, before we started recording that there are a couple of more that you've got to add to it. Um, most people, when they think about running one company, they go, I'm, I'm pulling my hair out here. How did you, how did you get to the point where you, you built five companies? Everything always scales, you know, Steve. You start out doing one and you make it be successful and then you get a two. And, and kind of my my story was that uh, I really I started my first business almost 10 years ago now, which is uh crazy to me. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like most entrepreneurs, I had this idea and there was a huge knowledge gap that I was completely uh, unaware of. I knew that I had some of a knowledge gap. I didn't know how big that gap was. It was huge. And so, you know, that first business, I kind of stubbed my toe and got lucky. And I was a pretty dynamic, you know, person that could network. And so I networked our way to a seven figure business. And I basically was killing myself in that first business, really, truly. And I, there was a moment where at 29, I went to my doc and he's like, Hey, Dave, how do you know you're going to have a heart attack? And I was like, I don't understand. And he goes, you don't know. You just have one. You're the most stressed out person we've ever tested. We've tested over 4,500 <laughs> people. Uh, and he goes, if you don't change what you're doing, by the time you're 40, you're probably going to be dead. And uh, you're not going to get to walk your uh, baby girl down the aisle. Probably won't get to see her walk across the graduation stage for high school. So that was a real wake up call for me. <laughs> And so what that really started me on a path was a couple different things really started to engage my ability to get back into uh, working out. I was an athlete, multi-sport athlete in high school. And then I did what most people do. I went to college and kept being active there, but then I got into the workforce. I was married. We were about to have a kid and I just started slowing down and stopped taking care of myself. So I started to put those practices of uh, meditation and working out back into my routine. That obviously helped. And then the other thing that I started to do, Steve, was I started to say, okay, how can I build a business that's not built around the cult of Dave, right? And so what I mean by that is 
the first business I owned was a digital ad agency. And any time that a client had an issue or they had a big idea that they wanted to talk about or whatever, even though we had an account manager who handled the day-to-day, they always wanted to get my take on it. And so I ended up being the person that everybody had access to, except that I was the person that everybody had access to. So no one really had access to me. And so I really started to switch the business. I ultimately sold that first business and started Avidel after that. And it was really built around this idea of, listen, I can problem solve on the back end. I can work on the business, not in it. And then I've started to do that with other businesses as well. So how can I just work on it and not in it? And so it's really been a a delight and a joy to be able to do that. And part of the thing that makes that all possible is I have great operators around me who I can mentor, love on, uh, and assist when they need it, instead of me being the the go-to for a lot of those things. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's you know what I think most business owners get into it thinking that it's going to be, and then they realize that that takes some intentionality to get there. And it's hard to have that intentionality sometimes when you're right in the thick of battle and and clients are calling and you're solving problems and all of that. So congratulations on making that that shift um, because very few people actually do it, even though it's talked about a lot. So I, I really want to dive into the things that you're doing with uh, all of your companies to grow them, the things that you're helping your clients with. Um, I know you do some very specific things with your clients at Avidel and and you're using those same tactics. Um, and clearly it's working very well. So when when you're working with a B2B service company, what are the things that that you kind of look at to get them the growth that they want? Yeah. Great question, Steve. So a lot of B2B service companies have the exact same issues with their marketing. One of the things that I've always found is that marketing agencies and PR firms typically have the worst marketing and PR. And it's the cobbler's kids have no shoes sort of situation, right? They do great marketing, branding, design for other companies, but not for themselves. And so a lot of times what happens whenever I look at not only marketing agencies, but other B2B services, there's a lot of mistakes that are really common. So one mistake is they're not very clear about who they are, what they do, and who they serve on their website. And for B2B services, your website is your biggest marketing piece. It's the most important. It's the most relevant. And most people just have not put the time, energy, and thought into distilling it. So what I see happens a lot is people get cute with the tagline. And it ends up being something that's very nebulous for a person that's coming to their site. They they have no idea. I I couldn't tell you how many times early on people would come to my site and we were a full service digital uh, agency. And they're like, hey, Dave, so I went to your site. I don't really know what you do. (laughs) And what I had done, (laughs) what I had done was I had copied a lot of other agencies out there because I had always worked in-house in marketing. So I didn't know. Uh, how to really do this other than to just copy some ideas that I found out there. So what I've learned over the years, Steve, is people want the result of whatever they're going to engage with you on, right? So if I'm talking to you, I'm like, Steve, I just want to know that when I work with your company, I'm going to get a killer book that you help me sell and is meaningful to the growth of my personal brand, my companies, whatever. And I care about the result. I don't care about 
how the journey works. I don't care about all the extra bat added benefits you've got that you have so many years in the, the uh, industry or whatever. I don't care about that. What I do care about is the end result. And so what, uh, one of the things that any company can do right now that sells to another business is simplify the language on your site to hone in on what is the actual tangible result that you're going to give that other company if they engage with you. Uh, this can also be a place where you put a guarantee, right? So uh, two types of guarantees that we use a lot, and a lot of times we stack them one on top of each other, a conditional guarantee and an unconditional guarantee. Well, listen, those are phenomenal to put on the website. Why? B2B services typically don't have guarantees. The reason why they don't have guarantees is they haven't done the hard work. Here it is again. They haven't done the hard work to sit down and go, hey, what would be a meaningful thing that I could guarantee that would point back to the result and me betting on myself in order to get my more clients? And if you start to put those items on your homepage in the top fold where you have a 100% view rate, right? Because everybody's going to see it. You start to see better and better results. So when we do this method where we go in and help someone update their website, on average, we see their inbound leads that come just through their site to book a B2B meeting increase 11x. That's the average increase every month. And so you imagine going from, I talked to a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I get one inbound lead a month through my site. And then you make this change and you go to 11 and you're like, oh my gosh. And so that's one simple thing. And it really permeates every bit of marketing that everybody does, right? So a lot of the times what happens in all of our marketing, cold email, even ads, which is hilarious because ads are designed to be succinct or uh, organic social or blogs, we really start to make the messaging about who we are, who we serve, what we do, very convoluted. And the more simple you can make it, the fewer calories your customers have to burn to understand who you are and who you serve, the more business you're going to close. And that's really what everybody wants at the end of the day. I love it. Really, at the end of the day, clear beats clever, right? That's it. And so many people want to be cute. And I understand. I've had the yeah. same impulse. I've done the same thing. And it's it's way better to <laughs> sell more stuff if you're just clear. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I love this idea of guarantees. And I also know that there are professionals all over the world listening to this right now having mild heart attacks thinking, how can I ever guarantee what I do? So how do you think about guarantees? Because it can be a complicated thing. And when most people hear guarantees, I think they most business owners think, well, oh, you mean like I have to do an unconditional money back guarantee? But you don't have to do it that way. There's lots of ways you can craft a guarantee. So what are some of the things that you kind of think about as you're crafting a guarantee for a client? So I always think about what is in our control and what is going to be most beneficial to uh, their customer, right? So like uh, for the, again, because I use this for all the companies that I own, I'm going to use some examples from my own companies because I think it's helpful. So for Avidel, it's an outsourced SDR firm. These are a dime a dozen. There are literally thousands of these across the globe. There are very, very few that are the size of staff that Avidel is. So we're in the top 40 in the world as far as size of SDR firms. And it's because we've built out a really robust system for how we do this. And so we guarantee a minimum number of meetings for a quarter. And the way that we structure that is, hey, listen, if you want the guarantee, so we make it conditional, 
you have to give us three case studies and one outrageous offer, something that sounds too good to be true, but actually isn't, right? So it's really intriguing to the customer. Uh, you have to give us that in order to get that guarantee. What ends up happening is people fight back. They resist because to your point, Steve, they're afraid. Well, what about, and how do I, and what about this? And is, is it going to be a and so we have to work through a lot of things there because again, when I think about what I'm making an offer is control. So I'm like, hey, what can I control? And so one of the things that we've seen that leads to our the clients that are the most successful, they really truly have two things. They have good case studies that are very succinct. We'll take a case study that's 20 pages long and turn it into one sentence. And the format for that is very simple, but it's very effective, okay? We worked with X client to yield Y result in Z time. So I'll say it one more time. We worked with X client to yield Y result in Z time. The general idea is if you can talk about getting a result in 90 days or less, you're going to have a really good case study. If it takes longer because the nature of the work that you do just takes a long time, you're writing a book. That doesn't happen typically in 90 days, but maybe it does, Steve. Maybe you're going to tell me it, could, it can it, happen. It does if you work with us. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. That's amazing. Um, so uh, if it's like, hey, yeah, actually, we can get it done in 90 days. That's a really compelling story. People are going to find more value there. And then the ROI that they see, the why the, the result, this should be something that's quantifiable. This should be something that is big and loud, right? So if I was writing it for your company, Steve, I'd be like, you know, we worked with Bob Smith and he sold 15,000 copies of his book within 90 days of his launch. Wow. Okay. I already want to talk to you. Like, you don't even have to, you don't have to tell me how much it is. I want to talk to you. Let's get on the phone. Mm -hmm. So we made that guarantee conditional that they would give us that and that they would give us an outrageous offer like hey i'll guarantee you 25 meetings or i'll work for free until you get them and if i don't get you those after 30 days i'll give you a prorated amount back for the number of meetings that we didn't get you so now i've capped how much you're going to pay for a meeting but if i get you double the number of minimum meetings guaranteed you just paid for half the price for the same number of meetings and so what this does, and people are terrified of it, you're right, what this does is, is it starts to give people a, a concept for, okay, uh, in order to get the guarantee, I need to give uh, the Avidel team three case studies, one outrageous offer. And that can be a thing that we go back to over and over again. And then if they don't give it to us repeatedly, and we've trained our account managers to have this conversation, look, you don't get us this information, you don't get the guarantee. If you don't get us this information, you don't get a guarantee. I want to get you the guarantee. Please give us this information. If they just choose not to do it, guess what? They don't get the guarantee. It's very simple language. Our contracts are only three quarters of a page because we want it to be simple language for everybody to understand what's going on, what they need to do to get a guarantee, and how they can move forward. And so it's it's really simple if you do a conditional guarantee. If you have an unconditional guarantee, Steve, it's typically something that you control end to end, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're like, hey, listen, I will give you a, a money back guarantee or an ROI guarantee on X. And I'm only going to do that if I control the price of the product, if I control you know X, Y, and Z. And you can list it out. 
on your contract. I have to have control over these items, the creative in the ads, the place where we put it, you know, all that kind of stuff. Great. Give them an unconditional guarantee. If you believe that you can get this accomplished, then that's great. But it really is asking yourself the question, what are the variables that you can control or cannot control that if you were able to control them, you could put a guarantee on? And so that once you start to work within that framework, you really can have lots of success. I love that. That's you, You've explained that so clearly, which I would expect nothing less based on the start of our conversation, right? Most people make guarantees so complicated, um, but it really doesn't have to be. And it is all about understanding what you can control and and building the guarantee around that because you don't want to guarantee something that's out of your control. That's, that's dangerous. There you go. Yeah. So... Um, so you've got clarified messaging and you've got this great guarantee. How do you get people to the business? Yeah. So surprisingly, so we, we, we send out an enormous amount of marketing material on behalf of our 110 clients every single day. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. And that's just for Avidel in and of itself. There are other clients, there are other companies that are serving a number of clients as well, dozens and dozens. But one of the things that we found, Steve, is cold email is still where it's at. So it was interesting. I, my sales team is very busy this week. It's the end of July, which means a lot of people are on vacation. So I actually caught a sales call this week, which I have not done in a long time. <laughs> and so I get on this call and I'm talking with this guy and we're having this conversation about LinkedIn. He's like, well, you know, we, we work in a high tech space and you know, maybe LinkedIn is a place where we should be. And so I, I just asked him a question. I said, hey, how often do you check LinkedIn? He's in sales. He's a VP of sales for a fast-growing company that has uh, Series A funding. And I went, um, how often do you on LinkedIn? He goes, uh, maybe like twice a week. I was like, cool, that's great. I said, how often are you checking your email? He goes, oh, I don't know, two dozen times a day. It's bingo, right? So it's there's this idea of, well, there's a new channel, LinkedIn, or there's a new channel, Google AdWords. That looks sexy and fun. And there are tried and true methods. And so we really believe in cold email outreach. It's a great way to grow your company. We've grown all of our companies through cold email outreach. And then we do something even more crazy. We send people things in, in the snail mail. Now we'll send them something that's fun and creative, like a pinata that comes with candy inside of it that has a message on one side and a QR code that they can scan that takes them back to a calendar link or a handwritten AI robot message like note that also has a QR code on it that takes them back to a landing page where they can book a meeting. And so we like to use these mediums that are tried and true because they actually are effective. And so if you are like, well, hey, I don't, I don't know, like I've never written cold emails, I'm going to give you some hacks. The shorter, the better. So we've booked meetings with large corporations, Southwest, Apple, uh, AT&T, just huge, huge, huge come forward, uh, huge companies. We also book them with small companies you've never heard of before. You know what happens for all those people? They're running around like crazy. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got 100 emails in their email inbox. So you have to write emails that are compelling and interesting, and you have to do it very, very briefly. Two to six sentences is the goal. Uh, you should not have a long email. Long emails don't sell. People don't want to read it. Uh, it's not that conducive to a sales conversation. The thing that is conducive is those short emails and 
having a case study in every one. Again, that case study model that I shared earlier, that is a sentence that should be in every single one of your emails. Now, listen, I'm going to give your audience something, Steve, that I don't share on many podcasts and I don't share openly. This is like real secret sauce. It's fun though. So one of the things that you can do that will make it way better is if you make it seem personal. So adding a PS at the end, we have found increases the likelihood that someone is going to respond to that email about 2.7 times. And so adding just a little bit of love does a really interesting thing. It really does move the dial. So that's, that's one thing that's really huge. And then the second thing is it's all about landing in people's inboxes. So in order to do that, you're going to need a email service provider that's designed for cold outreach. So one of the ones that uh, I recommend that's off the shelf is one that's called quickmail.io. They actually give you an inbox score. So they tell you, hey, listen, for uh, paid outlook, you landed in inboxes. For free outlook, you, you didn't, you landed in spam. For paid Gmail, you landed in inboxes. For free Google, you landed in inboxes. And so then what you can do is you can pull these little levers to make sure that you're landing in more inboxes. And that's really the key. It's the name of the game. If you can actually land in someone's inbox instead of spam, you'll see great results and you can scale up your B2B meeting bookings. That's awesome. Yeah, I think so many people, I think, are afraid to do cold email outreach because they don't want to be perceived as a spammer. I think some people even believe that it's illegal, uh, which it is not. Um, But, you know, when you come across, I I guess by the time people get to you, they probably already have a pretty good idea that that's what they want to do for, for people who are maybe thinking or haven't thought about it before. What are some of the, what are some of the things that get in their way? Yeah. I mean, I, whenever I started my first business, I thought the same thing, Steve. I was like, I don't want to use email. That seems antiquated and invasive. And a lot of people do have that thought. And we get some colorful messages back from uh, on behalf of our clients saying, quit spamming me. And it's interesting to me because it's just part of the game. So there was a HubSpot piece that came out at the end of last year. And in that, they, they do this every year. They, they survey 100,000 plus B2B marketers, 100,000 plus B2B sellers, and 100,000 plus B2B buyers. And in that study, they asked buyers of B2B services and, and, and tech, how do you want to be reached out to? 78% of them in that study said, hey, I want you to reach out to me via email. I'd rather have a conversation via email than any other way. And so the reality is, while there are a vocal minority, and that's exactly what it is, they're very (laughs) upset about receiving an email unsolicited. There is a vast, quiet majority that really would prefer that you email them, not pick up the phone and call them, not hit them up on LinkedIn, not show them an ad but simply email them and say, hey, listen, we've got the service. We think you're a good fit. Here's why. Here's a quick case study. Do you want to hop on a call with me? That is actually B2B buyers preferred method of communication. So if you're like, how do I get started? You know, honestly, it's sitting down and writing some sequences out. We like to do four to five email sequences and simply start to go through the process of thinking, how do I simplify my message to two to six sentences? If you do this process, one of the benefits, Steve, is your other marketing pieces are going to get exponentially better. 
I was just going to say, you probably take all of that copy and it now goes all over your website and everywhere else, right? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I learned back in the back in the day when I was running a digital ad agency, we always had a landing page that mirrored the ad that we were showing them. So if it had a video in the ad, let's say, we would make sure that that same video was on the landing page. Why? It created a cognitive uh, congruence that they felt like, oh man, I saw it over here and now it's over here. So clearly I clicked on the right thing. One of the things that often occurs that's a big swing and a miss in digital advertising is that people will have uh, a very fun, goofy ad that then lands them on a very serious, stale mm-hmm. web page. And the customer goes, I don't, what happened to the fun thing? I, what, where am right. I? What just went on? <laughs> and the same is true for sending out emails. If you start to send out emails and you're very tight and clear about who you are, who you serve, what you do, what the results are, and then they go to your website or a landing page and they don't get that same experience, there's going to be some dissonance there that won't help you. So yeah, it's it's a good practice. So again, write that first sequence, write four to five sentences. Think about your uh, ideal customer persona, right? Like what do they care about? What are the results that they're looking for? You know, And then as you start to see you know, really the result that they're looking for is they want to have more credibility to their name and having a book lends that to them, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Fantastic. Fantastic. Great. Let's steer into that stream and really talk about that. And then you can start to work with getting some emails spun up. And there are some sites that you can get because one of the things that I always get asked about is like contacts. Where do I find contacts? How do I get database? What databases do you recommend? Databases are kind of a dime a dozen they, and they really do shift and move and it becomes different everywhere you turn. So some of the databases that I recommend for companies that have never fin- ventured into this space, uh, one is Apollo.io. You can go in, you can buy a certain number of credits to pull uh, you know, contacts out of. It's fairly good. It's I've heard stories that it's slipping a little bit. And this is what happens with these contact companies all the time, but it's relatively inexpensive. You can go get half a million contacts for a few hundred bucks a month. On the other side of that, there's another one called Lead411 that is also a great beginner site. You can buy credits and it's easy to get into. Here's what often ends up happening. And it, it makes me frustrated for the most part, Steve. And it's that someone's going to get hit up by the big boy, which is Zoom Info. They just have the the biggest gorilla in the room, right? And they come to you and they say, hey, listen, we've got the best data and we've got the best this and da da da. And it's $20,000 for 10,000 contacts. And so it's like, that's not accessible to a lot of B2B companies. They just can't do that. So it's really helpful to know, hey, listen, for like three, four, 500 bucks a month, you could actually get access to a pretty good data set. You could enjoy a lot of contacts and it's going to be able to fuel your B2B marketing for quite some time. I love it. I love it. So Dave, if somebody's listening to this and they, they're they like, yeah, I'm going to give this a shot. I need to simplify my messaging. I need to get more leads in and they want to reach out. Who do you serve specifically and, and how do they, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, so we work with any B2B company. I mean, we really do serve quite a few different industries and it's pretty wild. There are two industry verticals within the B2B space that we have 
nucleus of clients in. And when I say nucleus, I mean like 30 to 50 in each of these categories. So one of them is just B2B service, right? So marketing agencies, uh, we have even some janitorial service companies. We've got different companies that will do like software builds. These are companies that have high ticket, oftentimes monthly recurring or annual recurring revenue. So that's kind of one bucket. The other bucket that we have that's pretty large and it's a little bit bigger than the B2B service, I think at this point, which is uh, B2B tech. So we service a lot of SaaS companies and it's for the same reason. There's a lot of margin there. There's a lot of benefit there. There's a lot that's going on. And then kind of the emerging one, and this one's kind of funny, Steve, uh, this one's not nearly as big as the other two. We only have a few, but it's been very humorous. We've got a number of cannabis wholesalers that are, are coming to us and they're like, hey, we want to get into retailers in California, in Oregon, in Washington, and they don't know how to do it. And so we end up helping them get into a lot of these retailer conversations and they're crushing it simply because they're taking a lot of the tactics like, hey, let's create an outrageous offer. We had one, this is a good story, so I'll share it really quick. We had one customer that was like, well, hey, we have these really nice like cake pops uh, and we're, we're starting to kind of produce these in California. We'd love to get into retailers. And they're like, what do we do? We don't even know what to do. So we gave them two ideas and they ran with both. And so one idea was, hey, listen, how about if someone signs on as a retailer, you know, what are they going to spend? And they're like, well, you know, over the course of a year, probably 60 to a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, great, fantastic. I said, so let's say that they say yes to carrying your goods at their location. How about you say, listen, if you do that, then we'll run a co-branded billboard within a five mile radius of your location. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You can actually put this on billboards in Cali, right? And so they were like, that's a great idea. The second idea that they had was, or that we kind of came up with was, hey, listen, what if you had a chef go in and make these cake balls in the retail location? So it's like an event. People want to be there. The retailer's excited. It's, and they're like, oh, that's great. So the crazy thing is, Steve, before they started working with us, they were booking a meeting, maybe two a month. Last month, they booked 35 meetings. They literally wow. called us up and they're like, hey, um, can you turn down the faucet? We're, we're, we've got too much to handle. <laughs> oh my so gosh. And that's a scary to... thing to do once it's working too, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So if you're, if you're interested in the things that I'm saying, you're like, man, Dave, I'd love to hear more. You can just email me, David at avadel.agency, A-V-A-D-E-L.agency. And drop the name of this podcast in. I actually would like to give your listeners uh, kind of a sweet deal, if that's okay, Steve. Yeah, that'd um, be great. Be very generous. Thank you. So if you if you email me and you put uh, Unstoppable CEO in the headline of the email, uh, I'll hook you up with one of our sales staff and we will book you three meetings free, no questions asked, a little try before you buy, engage with us. And then if you enjoy it, you can move to a paid plan after that. If you don't, then you can be done after three, but you'll get three meetings booked for free. And uh, it's a great way to kind of dip your toe in the water, see what it's like to work with an SDAR agency, see if it's a good fit for you. So anybody that wants to do that, they can email me and I'd be more than happy to, to uh, get them set up. And my friends, that what you just witnessed is a 
great offer. That's how you present a great offer. So, um, Dave, that's awesome. That's uh, very generous. And, and thank you for that. I hope a whole bunch of people take you up on that um, and get some help. So uh, that's fantastic. So the website, again, is uh, abadel.agency. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. We'll link that up. Um, we'll put your email in the show notes um, so everybody can find it. And uh, this has been awesome. Um, I just love what you shared about guarantees. That alone for a lot of businesses can be a game changer. If they really take the time to, to think through how to position themselves with a great guarantee, but then marrying that with your ability to, to reach buyers in their inbox, um, is, it's a powerful way to scale. So uh, thanks for sharing some wisdom with us today and investing some time with me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Really appreciated it. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bring in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.